created live on Fireside. This is not a startup venture capital podcast necessarily. I know two of my three episodes on here have now been with people in the startup venture capital landscape. But um, regardless, I'm very excited to have Konstantin Dubovitsky. I hope I pronounced that right on the show. Getting ready to Uh, get started with my weekend. Love it. This is a great way to start the weekend. Now you're on the West Coast. I'm on the East Coast. But uh, we've got some, we're going to have a really interesting conversation. So I think a great place to start would good. be if uh, I'll do a short introduction about you, uh, and then you can expand upon that as you see fit. How does that sound? Great. Okay. So, Constantine, you were born in Russia. Um, you are an entrepreneur at heart. You've started a couple of companies, learned a ton from that. We'll, we'll discuss that more. Um you are a podcast host at Fundraising Radio and also the head of investor relations at Make It, a tech startup studio in LA. So we have a, I mean, we have a ton to get to, but also want to leave some time at the end for audience Q&A. Uh, that's, of course, one of the coolest things about Fireside, where you can record a conversation that anyone listening in within the app can then go in and ask, potentially ask you some questions. I so we'll leave time for that at the end. Job describing um, my background. But yeah, before I think we get there, is there accurate. anything else you would like to say regarding introducing yourself? Awesome. Great. So then we'll get right to it. So let's start with your background. I think it's really interesting that you were born in Russia and uh, came to the I moved States to about five, uh, I five and a half so years ago. How was and the move to the U.S.? Was, was it a crazy really transition? Age, when did you I mean, get here? I think I was 14, 15 years old, so I was very young, and the movie was not great, to be completely honest. There is, like, you know, the standard depression for every single immigrant that lasts anywhere between half a year to, like, two years. For me, unfortunately, it was two years, so <laughs> the, the immigration process itself was not fun at all, I can tell you that. Um, but, yeah, I've uh, eventually adjusted and enjoying enjoying the States now. Yep, yep. Moved straight to LA. We had our friends here, so they were helping us That's to awesome. move. Adjust, and did you move to LA? Yeah, from we were the very our beginning? anchor here in the United States. Mm-hmm. And so you you are now you're currently working at a tech startup studio in LA called Make It. But prior to that, you started multiple ventures, and I guess from many perspectives, you can say it didn't work out and maybe they can say they failed, but uh, you learn a good ton. Question. I, I'm very curious. A lot, as you said, but to be more specific, one of the first what, companies what did you learn that started from those was actually with my brother. Happened by absolute accident. I was not supposed to go in that hackathon, but my brother's friend got sick, so I decided to go with him just, you know, to, to, to accompany him, basically. Uh, then we present together on stage, and then it turned out that one of the people in the audience of that hackathon uh, was a pretty big investor, and he was like, all right, guys, I like you, I like what you're doing here, and yeah, come on in our office, let's talk about it. 
we did talk, he was like, I love it, I love you guys, I love that, the fact that you're two brothers, you know, you're immigrants, you're supposedly tough, so yeah, let's get working, once you release this app, I'm gonna invest 100k at 1 million valuation, so we're like, okay, 100k, for us, back in the days, it was absolute enormous amount of money, we were like, okay, if we're gonna get 100k, we're gonna turn it into a billing company, we're gonna make it, so we just dived into building this product, because, I mean, the premise of the investor was, I'm going to invest once the product is on the App Store. So for about, I would say, four or five months, we were building the product. I was doing some customer reviews, uh, trying to figure out who our major audience is going to be, who is actually going to use this tool, etc., etc. So we were moving on, doing something right, something wrong, but mostly wrong. So <laughs> what it ended up like, uh, when we decided to release that, you know, when we decided that, the product is good enough to be on the App Store. <clears throat> so, <laughs> um, it actually turned out it's against Apple policy to, to release this kind of app. <laughs> so eventually we've spent about five months building something that we could not release. And uh, just for everyone to understand what it was, it was a tool that basically was converting your speech into text, then converting on the other, and it was in-call conversion. So basically... You were calling from your phone or from web browser and on the other end it was uh, the person who you were calling had no idea what your real voice is because your real voice was completely removed so it was not just modified but it was completely removed so we're basically building untraceable calls and yeah eventually it turned out that apple does not like this stuff because it can be used for a variety of non-legal reasons so yeah <laughs> we built a really weird tool that could be used for really weird stuff. And yeah, that's that's how it came to an end for that company. Um, don't build uh, sketchy tools. <laughs> I mean, a major, major lesson there is that we created the what company. What did you learn from that? came up with an idea because it fit the, uh, <laughs> the challenge that Hackathon presented. So we're building basically a product for this specific Hackathon. We had not... Uh, some problem, some particular problem in mind. So we're not building a solution to a problem. We're just building a solution to a hackathon that we were attending. That's it. And then once this company, I mean, once this product was kind of built and the investor was like, it's a cool product. Then we started searching for a problem that this product would solve. So we completely reversed the, the standard, you know, approach to those problems and just tried to fit our, fit the problem in the product, basically not... Uh, not the other way around. And that eventually uh, clearly led to a pretty epic fail. <laughs> so yeah, major, major lesson, understand the problem, solve the problem. Don't, don't try to, to do it reverse. Exactly. So don't create a problem, find one and then solve it. And so you had multiple other ventures. You don't need to tell the entire origin stories of them, but yeah, yeah, there were multiple. The I think we launched until about four, five. At the end, we learned the major thing: testing out the product correct? real fast, uh, doing basically zero to very little uh, product development itself, and just doing everything by hand. Mostly, we're focusing on actual customer interviews, trying to understand if people are actually going to pay for this kind of solutions, and eventually, at the end, uh, we were doing a very fast testing cycle. So like today we came up with an idea, uh, next two weeks we're trying to sell it, uh, talk to customers, understand if they're actually gonna buy it, if they're interested, uh, if, if they're interested, 
if this problem actually exists or we're just actually making it up. Um, and yeah, that led to very fast cycles. So we just realized that maybe we're not creative enough, I guess. <laughs> we just didn't see good enough problems or uh, couldn't be creative enough to create solutions that were actually solving those problems. Uh, so yeah, major lesson in the other ventures. Uh, test it out fast. Uh, try to understand if people are actually going to pay for this kind of solution because it might be a real problem. It might be somewhat painful for people but not painful enough for them to pay for it so that's i think the major lesson that i got from those other ventures that we had i love that so fail fast as they exactly. say and find a problem that's so painful that people will be willing to pay for it before it's even out there you in addition to these ventures that you uh, tried, so yeah, I mean, the, the podcast, podcast probably was the radio. wisest time investment Please that I've ever made in my entire life. Uh, gave me so much, you cannot even imagine the contact connections. I mean, the, 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 I got my job from that podcast, <laughs> so it was definitely a wise decision to make. Uh, but how it started, um, after running all those ventures, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm just not experienced enough, I need to learn more, I need to learn from professionals. And since I have a background in finance, I kind of want to join the uh, investment side of this uh, venture world, you know. So I figured I'm going to just try to blast out my resume, see who hires me. And no one did. <laughs> I was doing it for about, I would say, three, maybe four months. I did get on a couple of, you know, uh, email back and forth, but never got any real position. So I'm like, okay, I guess I'm not experienced enough for that either. And... How am I supposed to get a job there? Because I was not planning to back out of it. And I was like, all right, uh, the best way is personal connection. I'll just get in touch with those people, talk to them. And you know, once the personal connection is established, I'm going to try to get a job at their firm. And uh, I tried that through Twitter, through LinkedIn, and it just didn't work. So I was like, okay, what's the other way? Podcasting. It's just, you know, it's a place where you, when you say, when you tell a person that, you know, you're special enough for me to bring you on my podcast to share your wisdom with me that's just something that strikes a chord with honestly like 95 percent of the people me included you know that's that's why i'm on the podcast uh but yeah it did work people were willing to join the podcast even though it was pretty young at that time and yeah after each interview i was trying to keep up keep in touch with that person they knew what i was doing and eventually that's how i got my job at make studios and yeah, since then, I just kept up with this podcast because it brings enormous amount of connections in this field. So, like, you know, whenever our uh, portfolio companies are trying to raise uh, follow-up rounds, what they usually do, what I tell them to do, is create a list of investors that they want to see on their cap table, that they're interested in talking. They put it in a Santa. I go through it. Like, half of those people I know personally. The other half that I don't know personally, I have, like, 100 common connections with them. So... It's super easy for me to get in touch with those people to make sure that our portfolio companies are, uh, you know, it's much easier for them to get in touch with investors to get that feedback and to raise the uh, follow-up rounds. So yeah, super useful even now, like what, uh, nearly two years later after the start. Incredible. And, pe and people talk about content marketing. Now, for this case, you're not the first person I've spoken with that has used a podcast to get themselves a job. Now, I want to dig into that a little 
that is incredible. I mean, it's not, it was not Please, entirely through uh, podcast. I already knew the founder of Make Studios, so I met him at uh, one of the meetups when I was actually running my own company. Uh, the premise of that meetup was uh, investing in ideas written on a napkin. So the, the firm is super early stage investor. And I'm like, okay, that sounds pretty cool. And we spoke, uh, I spoke with the founder. He told me, you know, he was actually the person who convinced me to switch to that really fast, you know, uh, uh, product validation. So talking to customers, actually going out there, trying to sell it. He was the guy who taught me this. Uh, I mean, I knew this. I had this theoretical knowledge, but I was never able to apply it. After me, he, I was able to do this. So uh, afterwards, like a month later, after I started doing this, my other company failed because I realized no one was paying for this and no one was really interested in the solution that we were developing. And I'm like, okay, dude, uh, I reached out to him, said, thank you. You know, your advice actually did mm. help me. It did save me a lot of time at the end. And I was like, oh yeah, thank you. You're welcome, dude. You're welcome. So since then we stayed in touch. We met a few more times uh, later on on other events uh, because I mean, LA startup ecosystem is relatively small. Everyone knows each other. And you know, those, those kind of intersections just happen naturally um and yeah once i started my podcast i invited him because i remember he was an early stage investor and that's something that we heavily focus on on our podcast and it was like hey man uh, by the way after after the podcast he said that you know, his portfolio company is looking to hire a person for a small small position basically and not not full-time but like uh once every month or every two months i had to do this small job and I was like, yeah, I'm down, I'm down. I need some extra cash. So I was pretty happy to take the position. And I worked with them for a few months. They were super happy with my performance. I was promoted slightly within the company. So I was doing great. Uh, and yeah, then the season, it was related to the sports season. So once the season was over, they were like, okay, now we need to do the closing interview. And, you know, we'll definitely hire you next year once the next season is opened. But like, yeah, sure, I'll be happy to do the closing interview. And Alexis, that's the name of the co-founder of that, uh, of uh, Make Studios. He was on that interview as well. And he's like, I did, I love you. We need to expand our studio here in the United States. And right now I'm literally doing everything alone. So I want you to help me with this. I'm like... Yeah, I'm in. <laughs> so that's how it started. Uh, I was working there for quite some time for free, just learning all this stuff because I had absolutely no experience there. Um, and yeah, eventually, eventually I got, I got hired as a, you know, paid employee. Wow, that is an incredible story, and this is highly relevant to the found uh, the podcast hosts that are the earliest on this platform listeners as well for, for future podcasters what has been the biggest takeaway from your 200 plus episodes is there if there was one or two maybe two things because i'm sure those are done one or two things overall network i mean network is the you have found major reason for why i keep playing this podcast plus a podcast branding like if i say what, that, what would they you know, be? i run a big podcast and then i say that uh, it has 250 episodes people are like oh okay he has something behind his back now uh so that's one thing for sure and the second one is uh for podcasters or for people who are listening to this and they're like oh i want to do my podcast myself uh very important is to make a connection with the speaker so do pre-interview calls so before actually doing the the actual recording like we're doing right now 
do a pre-interview call like a week before where you just check with a person where you get to know them where you understand you know what their major strengths are what topics you're actually going to cover during the episode and already then like you know a week later you record the actual interview so i'm doing this all the time ben here is doing the same exact thing so we had a pre-interview with him i already know who he is i already know what he does i know what's going to happen on the podcast and you know right now i'm more relaxed than i would if it was our first time interacting with him so another super important thing uh for podcasters yeah the the pre-interview call i can't say how important that is i completely agree with you going in cold not having any camaraderie with my guest it's it's very difficult. Of course, I let the guests know what is going to be talked about, but getting the the familiarity with the guest, oh, it's so important. So I agree. Those even like a fifteen minute call. That's all we did. A fifteen minute pre call. So that is huge for podcast hosts. Hundred percent. And so so you started at make it as like a as a business developer, but since then, I guess you could mm-hmm. say you promoted to the head of investor relations. Now, investor relations is fascinating niche. Can you tell me what a day-to-day looks like? Uh, what is investor relations? All of that. Most of it is just sending emails. <laughs> that's that's what it is. You talk to people who are supposedly have money who are in this field, investing or investing in other funds. Uh, it's all about connection with those people. Like how well do they know you? How well do they understand what you're working on? You just have to be on their mind all the time. Okay, not all the time, but you know, when someone's thinking of early stage investments, I want them to think about me, about Make Studios. So it's either has to be association with fundraising radio or Make Studios and our super early stage investments. So that's what I do most of the time because you know, when you have 250 guests on your podcast and then you know, you just don't don't talk to them at all after the interview. They're just gonna forget about you in like I don't know month, maybe even less, because they have a ton and ton of stuff going on in their lives. So mostly my day to day is uh, talking to already existing uh, people in my network, trying to help them, making introductions. You know, whenever I see people working in the same field, I'm like, oh, I know the guy who's working in quantum space as well. I know that you're building a spa- a, a um, startup in this field i'm just going to connect you for fun just because i feel like it's going to be helpful so this kind of work is super important it might seem like you know what's my benefit i don't have benefit there so you know i make this introduction i don't get paid for this of course uh, it's just you know this person saying thank you they remember that i made this introduction and you know a year later they're gonna be like oh this guy i remember him i'm gonna help him back uh so that's a big part of my job uh just maintain the connection with the person uh, or to be specific with hundreds of people <laughs> at the same time, making sure I leverage my network in terms of, you know, if our portfolio company is raising money, we reach out to our networks. Of course, we see through them, you know, if they're interested in this deal. Um, and again, like if, if there is a startup that I know is just good and I know that there's an investor investing in this particular field, I'm just going to make introduction just because, you know, I feel like there is a connection there and it can be helpful for both. So that's, that's the main thing of, uh, that's the main aspect of my job, just helping people around me because eventually it's going to lead to them helping me back. Um, the other part of my job, I guess, is, uh, establishing new connections, uh, talking to people again. <laughs> so most of the time it's honestly just sending email back and forth and being on the phone. 
so that's 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 the job of uh, head of investor relations. <laughs> so it's it's a lot of connecting people, and from what I've learned about investor relations, you're you interact with pretty much all important stakeholders, whether it's other investors, entrepreneurs, as you mentioned, other connections where it's like, oh, if I connect these two, this could help me longer term. So would you agree that's like a good succinct way of explaining it? Yeah, sounds pretty accurate. And what is the best and worst part of your job? Best part of my job is just fun. Honestly, I love talking to people People in the uh, venture world, I mean, people in the startup world are extremely smart, extremely friendly. It's just fun to talk to them, honestly. Like, whenever I look at my calendar in the morning, whenever I make my schedule for the day, I'm like, okay, I have five calls today. It's going to be tons and tons of fun. I just know this. Uh, so that's a great part of it. And, yeah, always learning new stuff, honestly. Like, every single new episode, I would say every week I learn something new from the new speaker super fun you know you just feel like you're growing as a professional in this field and it just it just feels good uh worst part i guess uh, to be blunt the worst part is people ignoring me so like you know when you reach out to a person with this opportunity that you personally think is good and they just don't respond to an email you're like oh no he hates me or she hates me and reality <laughs> is not no they're they don't they don't hate you it's just you know maybe they're busy maybe they're out of office but they forgot to set up this email and then your email is just gonna get lost they're gonna get 20 50 emails every single day they're just gonna they're just gonna miss your email and that's it that's it it, it got lost it's okay it's not personal uh so that's i guess the the worst part of my job for me personally like sometimes i take things personal when i should not <laughs> and that's i feel like at this moment that's the worst part of my job now, that's a really interesting concept because that's something you have to learn to overcome. Have with any role where you're reaching out to other people, whether it's your day job or it's a podcast when you're trying to get new people on the show, how have you learned to overcome people not getting back to you, people saying no? Is there a specific strategy or was it just a numbers game like most things in life where you just have to do it enough times? numbers game 100 i was trying to figure out how to do this you know how to reduce this pain from people who are like oh yeah i'm interested in participating on the podcast then you follow up with them you make research on them you're like oh damn this is a great speaker you really feel you know that you are gonna do an episode with them you feel that it's gonna be super fun and then they just ghost you and <laughs> you're like okay what 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 did I do wrong? Did I write too much you know did I send them too much information did they not like the previous episodes and yeah, again, most likely they just forgot and that's, it's fine. You know, you, and podcast participation is not their top priority. They have their funds to run. They have their companies to run. So yeah, eventually I just figured out that, you know, some people are just going to forget. It's fine. Sometimes I forget about stuff as well. Um, so yeah, just, uh, eventually I understood that it's not, it's definitely not personal or in 95% cases it's not personal. <laughs> and in those 95%, what you have to do is just. Make a small note for yourself, follow up with this person because, you know, uh, I already emailed them once. Just follow up with them, maybe once, maybe even twice. Sometimes it requires three follow-ups uh, for a person to actually notice that you are there because some people are just extremely, extremely busy and you might just, you know, be hitting them at a really wrong time. So yeah, just master the follow-up skill and it's definitely going to help you. You cannot even imagine how much more useful your network becomes if you understand how to properly follow up with them. 
Absolutely. That is really, really good advice. And you're, you're pretty young. How old are you? I mean, it's, it's harder to establish credibility if you say you're 20 uh, because people are like, oh, dude, what, what the heck? What the heck is that? Uh, so, yeah, mostly most people are not aware of the fact that I'm 20 years old, but I am. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> well, I understand in the startup world and when you're trying to create relationship, it's, it's important to establish credibility. So I completely understand that. But the reason I asked was because you're very young. You're younger than me. Well, um like to be doing professionally maybe 10 years 20 years in the future uh at the as the, the best of your knowledge currently uh run my own fund that's for sure uh that's a plan that i already you know uh, my uh the the founders of the of make studios they're aware of this plan and they know that you know eventually maybe a year maybe two years later i'm gonna leave to start my own fund uh so yeah it's definitely a pretty firm plan that i have in my mind to uh, uh, just eyeballing it, trying to make sure that I understand every single aspect of it. That's exactly why I was working so hard, you know, to get this executive position at this fund because I get really, really like literal hands-on experience on fund creation, on managing those investors, on managing those portfolio companies, understanding how all this works without risking my entire reputation on it, you know? Yeah, yeah. You definitely set yourself up extremely well for that, getting the operator experience in your multiple ventures, now working at a startup studio, connecting with so many people, ecosystem, you're definitely the right path to starting. So you, I, I'm very excited to see what's coming for you next. Uh, that's very cool. <laughs> Thanks. Ego boost here. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, yeah. Hey, that's what I do as a podcast host, you know? And so, so now I want to ask you a question that I ask every single guest, uh, no matter what their background is on my show. And that question is, in your opinion, what is the biggest misconception in life or career? Oh, damn it. <laughs> That's a question that requires a, quite a bit of thought, actually. Uh, when people like to, I think I think that, that the misconception in life is uh, where people feel like there is a standard for having fun. Like a lot of people think that I don't have life besides work. <laughs> That's not true. Uh, only because, you know, I literally love gaming and watching movies that's that's the major thing that i do in my free time and people are like oh dude you have a sad life it's not it's not sad it's just you know it's the stuff that i like it's the stuff that i enjoy i enjoy staying at home even when there is no pandemic outside and people just frequently don't understand it they think that you know if uh you know the, the, the standard of having fun is you know jumping off the cliff or i know running a marathon or, or whatever you call it uh is fun then the gaming all the free time or watching movies all the free time is not fun so i think that's i feel like that's the major misconception in life honestly that's interesting so people's understanding of what fun is is different for everyone and and you're saying some people can't understand different perspectives on that yeah exactly well i have really enjoyed this this has been great uh, i want to ask one last question and that is for any aspiring entrepreneur, venture capitalist, uh, podcast host, is there any general advice you give for for advancing professionally? Hard question again. <laughs> a lot of those. I would say don't overwork yourself. So I've seen a lot of startup founders, especially startup founders who work literally 16 hours per day, every single day for years. And they, then they just burn out. Don't do that. Limit your time, you know. Tell yourself, I'll start at 8 a.m. today and I'll finish 
latest at 5 p.m. And then, then you're done. After 5 p.m., you don't check your email or, okay, you check your email. If it doesn't say, if the headline is not urgent in caps, then you just ignore it. Uh, so that's that's my uh, you know, major recommendation. Just don't work yourself to death, please. It's, it's just not worth it. <laughs> and it's going to be extremely hard to, to restore those uh, the, the, the energy you know, to get back to the field. It's better to miss some time right now, that, but catch up later, maybe. Uh, so in this case, I think the... The turtle wins the race over the rabbit. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's that's gonna be my general advice. Great, great advice. Why overwork yourself? Sometimes that's not the goal that gets you to where you want to be. I love that. This has been great. Uh, I've, I've truly enjoyed this. Learned a ton. I uh, love hearing more about your background. And Constantine, this has been a ton of fun. Is there any last piece of advice? Uh, general promotion anything you'd like to say before we close off here yeah last piece of advice i think uh, the thing that i actually wanted to plug in for sure is for startup founders you know people if you're listening to this if you're planning to do a startup if you're planning to create something some business of your own i would highly recommend you start working on your network passively or you know more like actively to be honest follow a few podcasts uh on the venture field I mean, of course, including fundraising radio, but there are a bunch more that are just absolutely great. Follow them, listen to those episodes, not actively, you know, listen to them while you're on a hike uh, and listen to them on 2x speed. And if you hear something relevant, you know, if you hear the investor saying something that you highly agree with, just write out that quote, put it in your notes, put the name of the speaker there. Once the time comes, reach out to that person because uh, it's, it's super easy to find their contact information. Reach out to that person and say like, hey, I've heard your episode on you know, fundraising radio and I, you know, I highly agree with you this idea and there you put the quote that you wrote out. The chance that they're going to respond to this kind of cold email is 95%. So super effective. Uh, people love when you reach out personally to them, you know, even if you have no idea who that person is. Even if they have never heard of you, of your company, it doesn't matter. Chances are they're going to respond to this kind of, you know, cold slash warm outreach if there is this note of personalization. So I highly recommend everyone start listening to the podcast, try to reach out to the speakers on the podcast. And that's that's a good way to start growing your network to get into this field. Absolutely. The personalized introductions are so important and so much more effective. I've seen that myself. Totally right. And speaking of contact information, if anyone wanted to reach out to you, connect with you, et cetera, afterwards, where would the best place be to do so? Uh, I'm very responsive. I mean, most of my work is uh, responding to people. <laughs> so uh, I'm very responsive on pretty much every single uh, social media platform. I would recommend uh, LinkedIn probably because there I actually, I do read every single message that I get, uh, unless it starts with, uh, Hello, I see that we have many connections in common. I would like to add you to my network. Then, of course, I'm going to ignore your uh, you know, request. Uh, but if it's going to be something like, hey, I've heard you on Aspire and Acquire, uh, would love to ask some follow-up questions, then definitely LinkedIn. I'm definitely going to accept that invitation, even if you, know, even if you have zero in your uh, LinkedIn account, literally. I'll, I'll still ignore. I mean, I'll still accept it. <laughs> so yeah, LinkedIn. Just search my name. Uh, LinkedIn is probably going to be the first one that's going to pop up. Yeah, super responsive there. Awesome. And because we have this really cool functionality via the fortune cookie, 
I'm going to provide the hyperlink in this fortune cookie for anyone that you can see Constantine's LinkedIn profile, KD Economist. I love that personalization. <laughs> and um, <laughs> that's where you can find my LinkedIn. Constantine, thank you so much for, for coming on Aspiring Choir. Cannot say how much I enjoyed this, and I appreciate you taking the time. Hope you have a great rest of your weekend. Absolutely. Thank you. It was it was fun to participate in some, some good good questions. Made me think a bit. Love it. <laughs> great. That's all that's all I can hope for as a as a host. Definitely. <laughs> all right. Good luck, everyone. Well that will do it for this week's episode of Aspire and Inquire. We hope you enjoyed it, learned a ton, and can use it to your advantage going forward in your own career. As always, you can find us on social media at aspire underscore inquire can find our website at aspireandinquire.com. And we're always looking for new amazing guests to feature on the show. If you know someone or you yourself can feature on our show, reach out to us. You can email us at aspireinquired at gmail.com or find another way to get to us. We want to hear from you. But in the meantime, stay tuned till next week's amazing episode.